Hi, this is Joseph Arthur. Thanks for checking out Come to Where I'm From. Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash come to where I'm from. We are an independent podcast, and any contributions you can make are greatly appreciated. Also, I have a new album coming out called Comeback World. For tour dates and more information, please visit josepharthur.com and follow me on Instagram, joseph underscore Arthur. Well, Philippe Petit, thank you for joining us. And um, yeah, so we're in the smallest theater in the world. Is that correct? Yes, I built this barn with 18th century tools and methods uh-huh. to uh, harbor my equipment. Right. And then at some point I said I need to add a stage and a little curtain and create the smallest theater in the world yeah. where I do uh, little performances for the local kids. Or, you know, I, I just love the idea of uh, having a very small theater. Yeah. And... Um is this also like a rehearsal room when you're yes yes yeah. yes when the weather outside is not good i am here rehearsing that's great and so there's no nails or anything it's all made with well there are hundreds of nails for the oh. roofing oh, okay. and for the for the sheathing of the walls outside but the structure itself has no nails at all it's post and beam tannin and mortise and true nails which are the the pegs the wooden pegs to assemble pieces you know Oh, cool. So what what made you interested in, in the 18th century style of building stuff? I, I love the 18th century, the way the, the crafts were, you know, uh, developing. And um, I, I, I looked at books on how to build barns before I built this one. And I was very interested in the old tools, you know, with no electricity, the boring machine, the tea auger, the saw, the chisel, the mallet. With three or four tools, you can build a, a Taj Mahal, you know. Right. <laughs> what, what do you think provoked that interest in you specifically? Well, I like perfection. I like simplicity. I like traditions. Uh-huh. Um, so I fell in love with the post and beam because the first thing you do is uh, you have to know how to trace the line. You have to know how to sew. You have to chisel the number in a, in a Roman numeric, the number mm. of the joint. Okay. You know, um, in this barn before the roof and uh, and the walls, um, there was like I don't know uh, fifty. Joints joints and each had a number mm-hmm. so this is a tradition from the 18th century and and earlier and i fell in love with that right on yeah and i and you have the philosophy of measure once cut once so absolutely absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah i'm you, glad you uh you don't remember like, that you don't like measure twice or yeah measure twice cut once that's that's a no-go well it's uh why why to measure twice if yeah. your mind is focus on measuring. Yeah. You don't need to measure 12 times. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But most people don't develop a trust in their own or in themselves to the degree that somebody who walked, you know, walks out on a wire, uh, uh, you know, across the Twin Towers would, <laughs> w- would have to do, if you know what I mean. Yeah. In other words, that's a relationship, I think. Mm-hmm. As far as that goes, when you say measure once, when you do all your uh, tight wire walking, you do all the math and the engineering and you check everything yourself just once each time? 
Uh, yes, um, no, actually when, as, in, as a self-taught engineer, when I develop a rigging plan and I design my anchor point and I calculate the forces, I sometimes uh, do 10-time uh, uh, checking and all that because this is not the actual work. But on the land, once I have my precise final rigging plan, uh, it's pretty simple. I, I know what I'm doing and I don't need to check it three times, you know. Um, what do you think the relationship between inspiration and rebellion is? Um, inspiration, um, and let's extend that to creativity. Yeah. I think to be a great creator, you have very often in any arts, you have to break the rules. Right. Um, some people say it's good to know the rules. Um, I almost tend to uh, not want to know the rules. It's easier to break them. Yeah. But... I, I think um, in any art, once you have learned the rule it, to progress in your creativity, uh, very close to inspiration, mm -hmm. inspiration is what triggers creativity, uh, you yeah. have to break the rules. You have to expand, you have to explore, you have to make mistakes, you have to try things. Um, it's much more interesting than to settle into a safe system uh, once you have achieved certain uh, um, goals uh, and repeat yourself and stay in that in that comfortable uh, zone I think to create interestingly you have to be in an uncomfortable zone and you have to be risking that's why my last book I have written 11 books but my last book title is creativity the perfect crime <laughs> Yeah, so there's a criminal element and a rebellious element to like to what what you do. I think. Like, uh, yeah, from from the moment I was four or yeah, five years old, I had that criminal. I mean, the word criminal is a little bit big if you uh, if you um, uh, yeah, describe a four years old uh, kid doing things. But th there was the element of rebellion. I remember yeah. rebellion against uh, school and parents and authority. And I remember that as a four or five years old kid, I was yeah. climbing everywhere and everybody would say, don't climb because uh, it's dangerous and you might fail. Yeah. And to me, that was like ridiculous. You know, you, you have to explore, you have to expand your boundary. And I got that feeling as a four, five, six years old child, which is kind of unusual. It is unusual. I, I I was similar. I would like. I remember making puppets and and purposefully making them like I'm gonna make this one disturbing. Like I, <laughs> you know, on purpose. There's that rebellious thing. I think that artists have, but it feels like to me that also you're trying to show other people that they can break out of their own confines. Like absolutely in a way that feels like some of your purpose. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's very contagious once you are passionate yeah. and once you create without boundaries. I think it reaches people and inspires them. Absolutely, yeah. And it's funny because I rewatched Man on Wire last night, um, in, you know, knowing I was coming to talk to you, which is a wonderful, wonderful documentary about your uh, courageous feet um, that I'm sure everybody knows walking across the twin towers on the tightrope but one which is 45 years ago yeah two days ago that's amazing yeah, yeah. so congratulations yeah. again but uh i'm struck too with all the people that um were helping you do that and the the, the funny thing is you in a dentist office having 
a vision a long time ago or an idea like that just sparks like that and then it manifests and then there's something like a bolt of lightning accumulates people around it too to help you accomplish that because i think like it, like you say, inspiration is contagious. What do you think draws people into an idea that makes it a collective thing like that? Well, in the case of uh, my idea to walk the Twin Towers, yeah. it's what you describe. It's, it's in the film Man on Wire. I was in a dentist office and I was looking at old magazine and I saw not a picture of the towers because they were not built yet, yeah. but I saw a picture of a model, right. architecture model, and that triggered... Uh, a dream. So anything can trigger a dream. Uh, you observe something, you, yeah. you smell something, you touch something, you use your senses, and then there is a little trigger, and right. then a dream is born. But most people do not recognize um, the fact that they should look for trigger of dreams. Right. Um, uh, I mean, dreaming is a very serious business because once you dream, in my opinion, you have, again, to break the rules to make your dream come true. And right. sometimes your dream is impossible, such uh, okay. as the idea of bringing a ton of equipment illegally at the top of the highest towers in the world in 74. This is an impossible dream. Totally. So I thought, okay, when you have an impossible dream, start achieving uh, reality one step at a time. You see, I, again, I'm talking like a wire walker. Yeah. The the image of one step at a time is a very beautiful, uh, powerful image. It really is. When the dream is impossible, I don't run away. F confront your dream and start one step at a time. And the, what you said about r learning to recognize those flashes that just happen really quick and seem to be almost like, oh, like... There's so many of them you could just go, oh, that's just whatever. That's just my mind. You know what I mean? You could brush off a dream that could be as great as that one. Was there something that you dreamed of that was even more impossible than the, the Twin Towers that you feel you executed? Or uh, Yeah, many times. I mean, uh, um, in a few days from now, I will be 70 years old. And on my birthday, I decided to achieve a dream a uh, small dream, but to go to the uh, Sharon Gugs, the very famous uh, rock cliff in the Catskills, which is in New Pals, and then with a guide uh, to do a quite, uh, quite exposed uh, climb, uh, which is called high exposure because it's very exposed. You are you're not in a in a crevasse. You're in the opposite. You're on a ledge, and then there is all the uh, 300 feet of space around you when you are at the top. And um, this was uh, daring because I I love to climb, but I am not an experienced climber. I have started climbing at four five years old. But again, I'm not a professional climber. For, so I called, I organized it, and I'm going to go at 6 a.m., meet my guide, and we're going to climb. And uh, that is, is a big dream. <laughs> with, 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 uh, with the harnesses and everything, yes, not yes, of like course. on the wire. No, no, no. Solo. I will never solo uh, a cliff free of solo. that magnitude. It's like a 300 feet uh, cliff yeah. um, uh, without uh, safety, and I will not do it alone. Alone. I, I am accompanied by a guide who is going to guide me and who is going to assure me. But he's not going to pull on the rope. I will have a harness and a rope. The rope is for safety. Right. So I will actually climb that rock by myself, you know. That's amazing. <laughs> so what's the relate? Do you meditate? 
No, but I am sure I do things that are uh, close to meditation. You know, I, when yeah. I prepare myself for a high war walk, right. I put myself in a certain state of mind that I'm sure is close to uh, meditation. It has to be. Um, at the same time, I'm, I'm frantic and I have so many things to do in the example of preparing for a high war walk. Um, that uh, is the opposite of uh, meditate. But once the work of the installing the cable, the rigging is done, yeah. uh, before to put my uh, performing costume, there is a little uh, inch there, a little transition in which I try to calm down and breathe and collect myself. And I am sure that's very close to meditation. Yeah, I would think so. Like, uh, you would seem to be having to, like, when you're on the wire, you would have to be concentrating, like I would think, like being in the moment precisely. You can't yes. see, like, your mind can't be wandering no, no, this no. way and that way. It's like, because uh, there's that, the, the way the it's described in the film was at first, there was a bit of fear when, you, like, the moment you stepped uh, from the building onto the wire... And then you started going and there was all of a sudden sort of joy took over your face and there was the, you started dancing and flying, I guess, up yeah. there. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There was this transition from being very careful to uh, knowing that I am enough in control and then there's a big smile invading my face. You're right. Yeah. And then you stayed up there for 45 minutes and did eight passes. It was not planned at all. It was all improvised. But my friends told me I didn't have any watch and I didn't count the crossings. Right. But they told me that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you sensed that the people below could see you and were somehow interacting with you even though... Oh, yes. I heard the applause of the crowd. It was a giant, uh, um, you know, traffic jam. And... Uh, and I, I could hear the clamor of the crowd saluting, applauding, screaming at me, you know. Right. And was there fear involved? or, or, or No, were there you, was were not, not really afraid? no no fear. Um, I was too much involved in, uh, in the moment, as you said earlier. Yeah. And what made you decide to lay down? Was that a performance um, instinct? It's one of my trademark in the sky. Um, I have done it uh, almost at the beginning of my life uh, as a wire walker. Yeah. And it's a beautiful picture uh, because it's almost like a daydreaming. You it's see somebody beautiful. laying, it's like they fall asleep, you know. Yeah. So I like that. And also because the wire walker suddenly is looking, confronting the sky. Yeah. You know, so it's a beautiful move that has become a little bit my signature in the sky. Yeah. I like, I like what you're saying too about how you're, you you reject the sort of circus antics of like, oh no, I might fall because that's to frighten people, whereas your motivation is to inspire people. That is true. That is true. Yeah. 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 And so you've kind of like redefined the art in a way. Yeah. You? Yeah. Yeah. I think I did. <laughs> Throughout the years, you seek to inspire people all the time. Who are some of the people that you got inspiration from? Um... Actually, in this um, rehearsal studio that is this barn that I built, that is the smallest theater in the world, I have placed two frames with many pictures, one here and one on the I other side. So those two frames, um, I won't mention all the names. There's a lot of names of artists that have inspired me. Some are still alive. Some uh, are no longer with us. Some I never met. Some became my best friends. Um, 
So let's mention, for example, Werner Herzog, oh, yeah. uh, who is a good friend. Uh, Francis Brune, the greatest juggler in the world, is no longer alive, but he was my best friend. Um, uh, and then, you know, a pianist, a painter, a, a comic uh, character like Buster Keaton, um, W.C. Fields, uh, all kind of people, in, in not necessarily performers, but people that have inspired me. So, yeah, I, I keep saying I have learned by myself most of my arts, but I, I had a lot of invisible teachers whispering to me, you know, and that's inspiration. It's very important for a performer, uh, for anybody, to be inspired. You cannot live a life uh, in balance and enjoy without being inspired. How do you stay inspired? Well, sometimes I don't stay inspired. Sometimes I lose my inspiration. Sometimes I feel miserable. I'm sure many artists have ups and downs in their spirits. But um, it, it, it is by opening my antennas that I get those inspirations, you know. Right. Um, but when I am rehearsing in the barn, let's say juggling, if I get really tired or if I, I want to give up because I, I don't know, I am not inspired, I look at those two frames and I look at all those people who have fight fought all their life to uh, for their arts and it gives me a, it rekindled my energy you know yeah do you think being a creative is like a solitary existence or leads one to a solitary existence or do you think you can i i i feel but i i don't know i feel it's mostly solitary because yeah. you are um when i rehearse um when i practice when i rehearse um I, I draw from what I do for the past uh, 55 years. Um, so it's very personal, very intimate. And I try to progress, try to find new ideas, try to um, develop, you know, a gesture that I had done for 20 years thinking, well, I could go a little bit further and I could do this or I could do that. I try things, I explore. So this is very solitary game, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but of course, it stopped being solitary when the performer performs. Then you need the audience and then you you show the result of your entire lifetime of of hard work to an audience and you entertain and you inspire, I, I hope. What's your daily schedule like with uh, rehearsing and practicing? I, I don't have a, a daily schedule. I play it by ear. But what I do is before I fall asleep, I write down what I would like to do tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And then uh, it turns out I don't have enough hours in the day to do all what I plan to do. So then I look at this piece of this little list, which is silly, at the end of the day, and I cross out w all what I have done, and there's still a lot of things to do. So then I reinvent a priority schedule for the next day. What I do pretty much um, uh, every day in, is my practice. Uh, those three hours of uh, uh, warming up, uh, exercise, uh, uh, juggling, and the high wire. And this usually I start at 1.45, you know, and it takes uh, a big chunk of time. Uh, of course, it depends on the weather. Sometimes I know it's going to rain, so I start early. Sometimes, like today, you know, I had to... Um, uh, I had agreed to uh, take some time for this interview, so I couldn't, uh, you know, just practice until I decide to stop. So I made it a little bit shorter. So 
I adjust, but basically every day is my, uh, the center of the day is my practice, you know, and I feel so good after, you know, I feel uh, powerful and light and happy. Um, it's like a spiritual practice, I guess. Yeah, it is very spiritual for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The, the body and the soul have to be in communion to do what I do, you know. Yeah. Um, it's not uh, just repetition. It's repetition with exploring, with uh, being on the lookout. You know, it's very creative and yeah. very uh, tiring, of course. You know. Well, if it wasn't creative, I don't think you would have the motivation to do it. It would have to. That is true. That yeah. is true. Yeah. Very yeah. well observed. Yeah. Yeah. That would have to because that's the fuel of it, the spirit. Yeah. You know, not just the physical aspects oh, yeah. of it. Another aspect of the film I really liked was the uh, was uh, the crutches. How how the misfortune of your foot um, getting punctured by a nail led you to have uh, um, easy in and out. You know, I I think that's another part of of creativity. I think you should draw. One should draw on even. Uh, uh, backlash and in, in in bad news mistakes Absolute, you know yeah. everything that is supposedly bad you can build and make it positive you know right. and that's a good example the the crutches I needed a pair of crutches and then it turns out to be a perfect tool to spy illegally in a building yeah exactly that's what I love about it is the <laughs> fact that it's like you know so so many metaphors of like of of li all of life and lessons you can learn what was uh, was there ever a point where you were discouraged after um, an attempt or a project, something that didn't go so well? Yeah, um, I was talking earlier that I think uh, most artists go up and down in their spirit. Well, in my life, and I started at uh, six years old uh, doing magic, uh, 14 doing juggling and 17 doing the wire. So I started to p performing very early. Um, there had been all kind of uh, drawback and bad news. Um, uh, I would work for years on a project and suddenly uh, they told me I couldn't get the permission or they couldn't get the money or it was uh, cancelled for a political reason or whatever. So actually I have in my uh, storage room, I have a big trunk full of dossiers and files on performance that did not happen. So there is a big tag on the, on the trunk and it says no. And one day I want to write the book of no. Not all the things that were refused because it's like 300 or maybe I exaggerate, maybe it's 50 through my life, but maybe take three or four of the most interesting or the one where I spent 14 years developing and studying and doing drawing of rigging and then suddenly the whole pyramid collapsed and it will never happen. So it would be interesting to show uh, all the energy on working on projects that destroy themselves, you know. Uh, usually they don't destroy themselves, a human being destroys them by saying, uh, no, I, I cannot find the money, no, I will not give you permission, uh, no, we don't want to, to do that. So um, it's very painful when I open this big box, uh, but sometimes I open that box to look at um, a project that is very similar to a project I'm working on, 
you know. So I want to see, uh, let's say, on this high wire, how many guidelines I was planning because it's almost the same length. So I go into my no box. I find uh, a walk that has more or less the length of the one I am planning today. And I say, ah, I had uh, 12 guidelines, the Cavaletti, it's called, you know. Or to how much tension, yeah, to stabilize uh, yeah. the wire. Or, you know, how much tension in that project I was at the time. And so it guides me, but it's it's painful because I look, sometimes I, sp I really spend five, six, 10, in one instance, 14 years on a project. Really? And then it was destroyed, you what know. What was that project? Um, that project was a canyon walk to put an immense wire above, uh, not the Grand Canyon, but okay. an arm of the Grand Canyon in the Navajo Nation. Uh -huh. And I spent 14 years, a little bit like Cristo would spend, you know, 10 years uh, trying like to put the banners of a Central Park. And, you know, it didn't happen or it did happen, but it's very similar. And, um, and the show never happened, you know. So that what ha you couldn't do this in a form of rebellion. This you need. Oh no! You, you, you need uh, you ah. need uh, three months on the land. You need to build a road with dynamite. You need three helicopters. You need uh, millions of dollars to hire contractors. This is not something you can do overnight illegally. No, no, no. And you've only ever fallen once in a rehearsal, right? Or well, the... that doesn't count because a, <laughs> a wire walker, um, uh, you know, is is performing. Right. So I never had an incident performing. But when you rehearse, when you practice, when you try things, then of course you have uh, bad moments, and right. you know. And uh, so, no, I uh, my my record as a performer on the high wire yeah. is uh, very positive. It's a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. What was um, what was that fall like though? When that well, happened? I don't talk about fall oh, because I talk about walking, which right. is the opposite. You know, yeah, yeah. I learned my entire life um, to create beautiful walks, yeah. which they don't seem to be interested in the circus because, as you mentioned earlier, the circus tradition is into uh, you know uh, being in difficulty or falling fear. or showing the 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 records, the longest, the highest. All of those things are to me the opposite of walking in a nonchalant, in a in a easy way, which never is easy, of course, but to make al almost forget that you are on a wire. Yeah. And that's very close to perfection. So I perfected, I spent my life, I still do it, I perfect walking. Right. So when somebody in an interview or somewhere asks me about the opposite of walking, flying away from the rope, I, I cannot talk it. about it. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Sorry, I asked. No, no, no. It's perfectly fine to ask. <laughs> but it's uh, it's it's interesting though too because it's like I feel like a lot of people could learn from that philosophy. So, in a way, I'm glad I asked. Yes, yes. <laughs> I though, like, uh, the reason I am uh, solid on the wire, performing yeah. on the wire, yeah. is because um, I I have a certitude of victory you know and that certitude is very physical right. and very mental you know yeah and you visualize in, in advance. oh yes 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 i cannot walk on the wire with a question mark hovering over me right. i have to walk on the wire with an exclamation point with a yeah. with a certitude of victory and how do you develop that well that is uh, impossible to Answer. to explain um there is no recipe for creating a faith you know, faith. that, uh, yeah, faith is, uh, is, is the faith. right word. It's almost a, a religious uh, feeling of yeah. you have to trust yourself. You have to know your limits because you're not immortal. You're not superhuman. So 
Um, and then you have to create a faith, and that faith comes from thousands of hours practicing, I am sure, you know, mm -hmm. and performing as well. You know, performance that were successful, performance that I as an artist felt were not great, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, we're back into the up and down. Um, but all, of, all those things, uh, all those uh, variations of feelings and moods of the performer create an experience, a life experience that in itself create in turn the face, the sensation, the feeling in your body and in your mind that um, I will never set foot on a wire if I were not if I were not sure to succeed on the other side. Right. But so how often do you spend visualizing before you do you know a, a walk for instance? I, I do like, not visualize. I immerse visual. myself into the big work as an engineer uh, uh -huh. of creating anchor point, deciding the rigging. Mm -hmm. um, I immerse myself as an artistic person, a performer, like a to well. a director, absolutely, yeah. a yeah. theatrical director in creating a performance and in rehearsing that performance and thinking of the costume and the music and the light and the sound when, when they, the show has those elements. And um, those two things combined, I arrived to the moment of the show, and I didn't really visualize. Uh, it's you not know, so it's, it's not like you're but, not. But like it's close to visualizing yeah. because, like for example, right. I have a show in three weeks. You do. Um, on a small wire inside a theater, and I'm rehearsing my show every day. Uh -huh. um, so so I, I guess I visualize the show, but not really. I go through the run through of the show, right. you know, which is very close to visualizing it. I guess. But I'm not visualizing it, I am acting it. You're acting it out, yeah. But when you're acting it out, you also see yourself in that other performance space sometimes? Not or? really, no, no, no. When I. I act out. I am completely immersed in in uh, trying to do the most beautiful walk possible, and yeah. then also the series of walk, and then go from the beginning to the end of the show in the most fluid and balanced way. Uh, so all that takes all my mind. Yeah. So you've brought up spirituality and faith. I was wondering if there's like some kind of relationship to God or creator that you're well I believe in with. many many gods I mean right. uh, it's kind of ironic because I am an artist in residence of the largest gothic cathedral in the world St. John the Divine mm -hmm. in New York City and when I became an artist in residence 40 years ago the dean said you know Philip does not believe in God, but God believes in Philip because he <laughs> saw me walk uh, many times in the church to yeah. help the church. So that's ironic, but it's also quite beautiful. So I don't believe in a God uh, that is listed in the God list, but I believe in many gods. And, and actually, the way I talk about the performance at the World Trade Center in mm -hmm. my book, To Reach the Clouds, which had been retitled Man on Wire mm -hmm. after the Oscar we got for the documentary, and that had been re-retitled The Walk after Zemeckis did with uh, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt playing me, mm -hmm. a 3D IMAX Hollywood film, very different than Man on Wire. Uh, yeah. So a book that goes through three titles, it's interesting. Yeah. The reason I mentioned that is because in that book, I dealt with the actual walk, 
which was a short chapter remembering what happened during the many crossing and the 45 minutes. And then it, the title of that chapter is Meeting the Gods. Right. And that answers, in a way, your question is because I talk about the God of the tower, the God of the wind, the yeah. God of the balancing pole, the God of the cable. So I believe in many gods. Yeah. And kind of becoming a, a god in a way, like becoming famous. And That's never has been my discourse. I am, uh, I will never um, even uh, fantasize uh, taking myself for a god and, yeah. and being famous. Or I don't rich, mean literally uh, like is, a god. It's not my goal in life at all. Be, I, I, don't, I, didn't, I don't think it was your goal, but it's just interesting that when you dance with the gods, then you something rubs off. Of something, ah, ah, of well, something of a godlike thing. That's rubs interesting. Off. That's, it's that's not for was, me to say, but many right. people have said something similar. Yeah, you know, and it's a great compliment for a performer when, yeah, when you inspire people and when they give you this kind of compliment, you know. Right. Uh, but again, it doesn't come from me. Right. The godlike. No, I, I wasn't <laughs> suggesting that. So, but also, you believe in living every day, like. With with great risk and and creating every day like a great work of art is that true? yes and when well not necessarily great risk but a certain amount risk, of risk and I'm amount. not talking about physical risk right. which will be stupid to not look left and right before to cross a road and you can be hit by a bus that is plainly stupid that's right. for somebody who has no respect for life um, but I'm talking about uh, an intellectual risk right and uh, yes even in small, almost invisible intellectual risk is, I think, needed to spice your day. Uh, and sometimes you're barely aware of it, you know? Yeah, and what, what, what does that look like for you? Well, um, as an example, uh, if, if I have a movement that I have done for 30 years, right, in mm -hmm. my juggling, the intellectual risk, um, not risk, but yes, the, the, the challenge will be to look at this move that I know so well and to see, can I, can I expand it? Can I vary it? Can I have an option? Can I do a little something to make it new? Mm -hmm. And that is very challenging. And it could be something so small. It could be the, the way the hand moves or the way the fingers are together or not together. What, whatever it is, it could be a minute variation that somebody in the audience will not even see the difference. But to you who is doing it, it's a giant change, you know. So how I is have that, done that. How is that risk, though, to you? Well, it's, isn't that just practice? Uh, no, it is practice with an attitude of of intellectual of risk. risk. Yeah. Um, I give you an example. I, I call that a first. Okay. In my little diary, I write a diary every day when I practice. You, and every day you keep yes, a diary? Yes, yes, yes. I, I write w the moves. I write my timing. I write how many times I succeed to do a certain move. Wow. Um, and whenever something new happens, new in my entire life, yeah. then I, I have a marker, um, a underliner, you know, uh, orange. Yeah. And I put a little orange mark and I write first. Right. which means it's the first time in my life that this happened. And then I write what happened. 
So it could be a thought that when I am doing the roll uh, uh, of the ball on one arm, I should think of my feet and all my life I never thought, but actually I'm going to practice with the feet in a certain position and it's more beautiful or it's more conducive to what's happening with my arm. So those little inventions, I write first. And then I look at the week you know, of notes mm-hmm. every day. And it's very rare that I have a page of notes, uh, the minutes of one of my practice without one of those little orange marks. And sometimes in a week, I have like five or six of those. Some are giant discovery for me. I have to call uh, my best friends. Uh, you know what happened today? I discover a new move. And some are very small Again, that nobody would notice. It's a little variation on a move, you know, or sometimes it's a half a second stop, like I roll the ball, stop it for half a second and roll it back. And that little stop gives the move more magic feeling, mm. you see? So that's, um, that's the scope of my intellectual risk and yeah. of my deliberate challenges to create. That's fascinating because it's just like <laughs> it denotes like such a extreme love of your craft throughout all these years. And like, do you ever get disillusioned or bored or like that seems like so engaged? Um, and no, to me, no. that's a huge. I, sometimes gift. I want to kill myself. That's not being bored. <laughs> no. um, but disillusion, yes. Again, we we're talking about the ups and downs of an artist's I, I up life. The fall again, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but. Uh, yeah. I think everybody, uh, everybody in life experience, you know, life duress and life uh, rejoice. I guess it's just rare to hear somebody speak, like to have that kind of passion with their craft throughout so many years that they're writing down, like as you describe, like that's just, that's enviable is what I'm I'm trying to say. That's very nice. In my my creativity book, I reproduced in a double page one of those typical um, uh, minutes of you know of diary of uh, practicing, oh, okay. and in, then in you your, will see in your recent book. Uh, yes, in okay. a, in a creativity book, yeah. um, and then you 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 see, for example, it's ridiculous because I have a grid which I cannot print. <laughs> I do it by hand, like mm-hmm. in the 18th century, yeah. with a ruler and a pencil, and the grid covers. Um, the work with a hat, the work with uh, one ball, the work with the three balls, and the work with the six hoops, which is part of my hour and a half of juggling, mm-hmm. usually in, in the barn. And I have all the major exercise symbolized by one little sketch. For example, I have a uh, one line to symbolize my body, and the head is one ball, and on, on top of my head, but not touching, is a circle, which is the ball, and that symbolizes the bouncing on the ball. So in that little colon, I have first my world um, uh, best number. Uh, it could be 17 <laughs> years ago. I did uh, 152 bounds. So I have that as a as a goal, you know, yeah. not as a goal, but as a signal that I a have high, achieved that. And then today, I don't know what, I am not inspired, I, I didn't work well today, uh-huh. I did like 12. So I put 12 and I put a question mark, so why so low? What's up? And then I try the next day, I look at the 12 of yesterday and I think, I have to do more Come than on, 12. So 12. <laughs> today I bounce the ball and I do 17. So I write 17, but because 17 is bigger than the 12 of yesterday, I circle. Even if 
The 12 of yesterday in my example, mm. if I do 13, still it's a progress. So I will circle 13. So at a glance, when I look at all those little grids, I can see, oh, there was a flat week. I didn't work too well. Mm. Or I said, oh, there is a lot of circle, which means I beat what I did yesterday. And yeah. then if I do, um, in my example of 12 bounds and 15 bounds, if I do 42 bounds, yeah. then I circle it twice because... It's like, wow, it's, it's like a big giving progress. yourself a star. So, well, I, I use it, a lot of star system oh, as well. That's funny. It's a system um, of self-encouragement. Uh, yes, and, it is. And like almost like self-parenting yeah, in and a it's, way. Like it's completely it, childish and ridiculous. No, but I, I think quite the opposite. <laughs> I well, think, thank you. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm just saying, no, because it's like to be a lifelong artist is, is a feat in and of itself. I mean, yeah. and so to keep yourself that engaged and that inspired yeah, yeah. and that enthused about so, I am never bored. That is to answer the, the boring word that you place in one of your questions. No, don't be sorry at all. You can address any question. Yeah. But the thing is, with all these uh, reference to the mm -hmm. past, to the present, to yesterday, I live in a perpetual state of Enthusiasm. perfection or perfecting you know, my craft. And then sometimes it's a great practice. And uh, I do a few first, okay? And I have a lot of circle, which means it's better than yesterday. And yeah. um, and sometimes uh, it's kind of flat and sometimes it goes down. Sometimes I uh, uh, throw the bone and I do two and it falls. And I cannot cheat. If I do it again, I might do 15. But today, when I did the bouncing, I did two. So I put two and I sometimes put a question mark. So why was it so loud? Yeah. you know it's almost like you're describing a system of pickpocketing the spirit world oh i like that very much not only because i am a pickpocket it's a beautiful image what you just said thank you i actually wrote you a poem too i'll read it to you later okay I, yeah okay. like uh i didn't tell philippe about you joe is a musician and a poet and an artist oh uh, okay uh, yeah so he doesn't okay, know that okay. you you guys have a lot in common, I feel, between the music world, the performance on stage. And, I paint and, live, too, and sing and paint at the same oh, time. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, so, yeah. Wonderful. I'm actually, and I'm a yogi, too. Like, I'm working on trying to paint live with on my hands. Oh, amazing. So, I, <laughs> But, um, yeah, it's like you're pickpocketing the spirit world to keep your enthusiasm engaged or you're also picking the lock of the spirit world yeah, too. yeah like, lock picking like, is also one of my but it's like a psychological talent. thing that you're doing too like mm -hmm. with within yourself that i think a lot of people could, could just to keep that level of enthusiasm yeah yeah like that's the, that's the gift of the secret i think how did you get into pickpocketing? And um, I think it was... No, I know it was from my street juggling. Uh -huh. I've done uh, 55 years of street juggling. I still do it, but episodically, not regularly. Um, and being chased by the police and being arrested more than 500 times. Uh, but anyway, it is in my early age of uh, juggling in the street, from mm -hmm. 18 years old on, my in my crowd in Paris and then all over the world, I would see a lot of pickpockets mm. and I will observe the good pickpocket the bad pickpocket and then uh, there is a branch of magic on stage mm. called pickpocket so on stage it's not the same as, as in the street on stage it's it's 
performing entertainment right. in the fun. street. It's criminal. It's for real. <laughs> but I became a, a street pickpocket for a short time, but I never could actually steal. I had you to give guilty. back thing in a way. Or, but anyway, what I was fascinated by, and I wrote a book called L'Art du Pickpocket, The Art of the Pickpocket. Unfortunately, it's only in French at the mm -hmm. moment, but I would love to have it published in English. And then in which I show and, and pay homage to the, the ballet of the fingers and the psychological misdirection, which is beautiful. And of course, the criminal act does not interest me. And I even in my book um, have a little chapter on how to protect yourself from criminal pickpocket. I'd like to read that but, chapter. Uh, <laughs> it's very similar to magic. It's very similar to magic yeah. and it's a branch of magic. What's um, beautiful about meaning it? Meaning you have magic, juggling, ventriloquism, pickpocket. You have all those arts that are part of the Related. magical arts. Yeah. And what, what do you find beautiful about pickpocket? I just said what I find beautiful is the ballet of the, the, fingers, ballet of the fingers and the uh, sophistication of the misdirection. And I also heard you say that it wasn't about pulling something out of somebody's pocket, but rather closing the fingers and letting them walk away from it. This is wonderful. I love your observation because you have read part of my work mm -hmm. and you mention it and this is essential. Yeah. Yes, uh, uh, people might think that to pickpocket is to grab something, okay, yeah. and then to pull. But actually a good pickpocket yeah. will grab something and wait for the people to donate as a gift <laughs> what you have. You have not taken it. They're they giving, are giving it to you. Giving They're leaving. I mean, again, it's, uh, it's a poet in me talking, but... Yeah. Um, in criminal in you talking. In this, in this book of Pickpocket, I use a lot of that poetic language, you know. And if you see uh, Robert Bresson film, The Pickpocket, you okay. know, an old film from the 50s, yeah. you see in the criminal um, description of pickpocket in the street, you see a lot of fantasy, a lot of poetry, a lot of uh, allegory, you know, and metaphors. And yeah. uh, I love that film. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I think I've seen that a long time ago. Old black and white film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you talk about the fact that, like, picking a lock is like uh, a metaphor for not giving up. Absolutely, because when um, I mention often this image, I do lectures. So when yeah. I do lecture, I talk about, again, impossible dream. And I said, you are on a path to somewhere. And suddenly there is a giant slab of, of rock falling and blocking your path. I use the name granite, yeah. you know, the hardest rock. And uh, I said, when you have a, a slab of granite blocking your path, don't say, oh, I cannot continue and turn around and forget your dream. Approach the obstacle and look, and very often you'll find a little fissure. Now, again, it's a metaphor. A little fissure, you can, you can go through it in a molecular uh, fashion. And then we are very close to lock picking because mm -hmm. lock picking, uh, a lock is very small. Mm -hmm. And the tool of the lock pickers are extremely small because they go inside the lock and they separate the tumbler and the little pins that fall and block the key path and you have to lift the pin one by one. There's usually four or five or six pins to lift one by one. And when you are almost the last one, if you make a wrong move, all the other ones that were free lock again. So it's a very hard 
study the lock picking study and I studied it and I taught it to my friend Werner Herzog who used it in some of his films which one um, for example uh, Rescue Dawn oh. there is oh, a, right. he, he didn't uh, credit me but he should have Damn it, um, <laughs> I taught him how with a nail mm. you can uh, actually lift the pins but it was a handcuff and primitive handcuff okay. much simpler than a padlock but anyway Uh, the padlock, the the art of lock picking, uh, a padlock is the art of insinuating your mind into a minuscule little world of fissure and making uh, the door open. Right. You know, so it's something that should be uh, taught in schools. You know. Yeah. <laughs> lock picking. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, it's uh, that's funny. It would be it's time and discipline and patience. These are like yes, three time, things. Yes, time, discipline, you, patience. That's time, you are, discipline, again, and you are completely right in your observation there. Yeah, but that goes across so many of your uh, of your disciplines of your of your pursuits. Is those three yeah, aspects? And, and you know, actually, when I look at what I do, I do so many things. It's just yeah. ridiculous. Some one day, I think it was in a lecture, I was writing on the board, and I say, okay, let's write what I do. So I built a barn, I am a juggler, I'm a pickpocket, I am a lecturer, I am a theatrical director, I am a builder of barn, I am a... And the list was so long, I was scared. I thought, this is crazy. At the same time, all the things that I do have the same common denominator. Yeah. They are passion, which pa is a motto of my yeah, action. There is tenacity, there is a quest for perfection, a quest because you never reach perfection. There is a, you know, never give up. There is, there is no such thing as an impossible thing. So uh, it works in everything I do. I really hate when I hear mostly a young person trying something once or twice and say, oh, I cannot do it. Right. You cannot declare that you cannot do something if you try twice. Now, if you try 2,000 times, yeah. well, that's something else. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There is a limit. But, and it's very rare uh, to see a kid trying yeah. something again and again and again and mm. again 200 times then the friends will say he's crazy mm -hmm. because look at that he's trying to to climb and he cannot reach the the you know the fissure there but he keeps trying mm. and that is the beauty of being human is you have to keep trying and when you keep trying If you don't try like a robot or a machine, just duplicate the same thing. But if you try again with making your mind and imagination flourish, then you will conquer. Mm. You will progress, even in a tiny, tiny victory way, you know. Yeah. And, and that's what uh, great climbers do. They, they were not born great climber. Mm. They're not supernatural strength. They don't have an extra no. finger yeah. that you don't have. It's just they kept trying You know, and it's beautiful to see the trying, you know. Absolutely. Um, well, it's the opposite of apathy. Exactly. Well, I, I use that in, uh, I use that word in my creativity book, saying yeah. the apathy is an enemy. That's what you, you know? don't seem to have any of at uh, no, all. No, no. And, and apathy goes... <laughs> like, that's what, that was like kind of the thing with the list and all that. I'm like, man, you are like anti-apathy. But, you know, we live in a world that has a lot of... Um, 
illustration of apathy. I mean, I gave you a stupid so example. Many, so you many. open a magazine, mostly a fashion magazine, mm -hmm. and you will see those young men or women, and they are yes. they are like like this in no, a sofa. Right. Now yeah. it's not and maybe their cool way. Maybe they are being directed. You know, relax yeah, or look. Uh, but nobody is erect. Nobody is alive. Nobody has a personality. They all like, uh, yeah, like I don't know cool. what to do. It's you cool know. to be like, and uh, whatever. This uh, is communicative. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. you look at those right. pictures and yeah. it's very negative because uh -huh. it it without even you thinking it in influence you in just leaning back and you know and uh, um, so when I do uh, <laughs> when I do. Um, Uh, workshops, you know, uh -huh. let's say workshop on uh, on the art of the high wire. I said there are no rules in this workshop to my students. I said actually, actually there is one rule: no yawning. Hmm. Yeah, because yawning is like. Oh, yeah. it's, a, it's an abandon. And I say, oh, oh, by the way, and there are two and rules. And it communicates to yeah. everybody. There like, are two oh, rules. <laughs> the other rule is no leaning. <laughs> We are standing up on our two feet. We're okay, doing all kind no of exercise. going to take us four hours. Yeah. I don't want to see somebody leaning against the wall. Right. And certainly there is a third rule. Yeah. No leaning while yawning. Oh my God! So here's for That's somebody who <laughs> you get kicked out of the class. If absolutely, you do that. I absolutely. You're gone. <laughs> If it's a lean yawn, forget it. This is like uh, this is like the. Do you ever do yoga? Not really, but in what I do in my life, I have borrowed from many. Um, ways of life and yeah. I have seen yoga classes never taken it and I am sure I I you know borrowed a, an attitude or an exercise for example on the wire I do an exercise called Zen mm -hmm. and what it is it's a yoga posture where oh, yeah. my knees are balancing the balancing pole that is resting on the cable Wait, and so my hands are not touching the pole but they are uh, like in a medita meditative okay. a little bit like what you're doing yeah. right now well this keeps your spine totally erect That's exactly the thing. like if people yeah. think oh you're showing off if you sit like that but it's like actually it just completely takes all pressure off your spine so try that on the wire oh yeah that's exactly what i'm doing <laughs> i'm ready for the class i would love oh, man i would love to learn how that. do people um contact you um or find you online to, to know what you're doing or, or, or well, donate to your I project mean, I, i have um i would not mention the village where i live no, not, not far from woodstock but in these days principally on the internet and the social medias, which I don't participate. You don't. Uh, well, I, I do Instagram because my friends told me I should, but I, I hate it and I don't believe in it and I don't do anything else. But it is very easy to find a phone number or an address. Uh, I am also artist in residence, as I mentioned, mm -hmm. at the Cathedral Saint John the Divine. So I receive mail there and then fans, you know, who says, I would like to learn uh, uh, the why, I would like to know your next show and all that. So it's pretty easy to get in touch with me, even though I don't give my personal email, my phone number and my address. But we live in a time where it's pretty easy to find it's out easy to find people. people. Yeah. Are, are you as disciplined In writing, I mean, it seems like you have, what, 11 books, you said? Or, yeah, 11 yeah, I mean, books. Yeah. Are you as disciplined daily with writing as you are with No, the, no. With I usually like to write a new book when I have a signed contract. 
<laughs> and the money is in the bank. Right on. Yeah. <laughs> it gives me a, a point of no return, you know. Okay. At the same time, I am uh, stricken uh, to draw or to write uh, little uh, things here and there without warning. And I religiously put it in files. Uh -huh. And then maybe this writing one day will become a book or this drawing will become a show of drawing in a gallery. Right. So I do those things without any discipline of, uh, oh, it's Tuesday and from nine to 12 I'm gonna write you know but uh, right. I, I always travel with two things with a little pad and a pen uh -huh. in case I, I observe something interesting or I have a thought and then with a little sketch pad I never take pictures when I travel I draw and sometimes I spend two hours somewhere uh, drawing something uh, and sometimes drawing something ridiculous or weird and people will pass by and will look but What is, what is he drawing? Oh, he's drawing. You know, and they will think I'm a madman, uh, which mm -hmm. probably is a, is a good uh, description <laughs> of me. Um, but anyway, uh, that's what I do. So those things happen when they happen. Okay. And when, and when you do have some money or a contract and all that and the money in the bank, then do you have like, okay, I got to write couple hours every day or is oh there absolutely once, once there is a contract okay. with the title of the book and yeah. the content of the book then yeah, i have no direction. choice uh, and i have a publication date and i have a manuscript date deadline so i work usually uh, with a very uh, um, serious schedule You know, right. I create a schedule, I place that in my day no matter what, besides the rehearsal, besides the tons of things I want to do. I said, you know, this month I'm going to spend three hours a day writing or, yes, yes, absolutely. I force myself to follow a schedule once I am prisoner of a deadline for a book. Right on the motivation you the should deadline. write a book called the art of organization well there is a lot of organization You're so skill organized. in my book um, creativity oh, the okay. perfect crime yeah so I there's talk a, a relationship lot. between staying super organized and the and sort of facilitating creativity I guess. yes yes and it's called order and chaos okay. each, each uh, chapter have a little title and in order and chaos I said you know I make lists and I force myself and all that and at the same time I am ready to break the rules and I mm -hmm. come with a, I develop the inspiration falling from the sky and so I think it's very important in life to have a certain order and rigidity and discipline and at the same time to be playful to break the rule mm -hmm. and to change your mind yeah well discipline is is a method towards freedom that's interesting i yeah. mean in my life it never is. never thought of it but yes. i mean in my life it absolutely is i have a daily discipline of running and yoga and that keeps me free to stay off drugs uh, yes to, like, yes keep yes myself, yes like healthy and like engaged absolutely. in life so it's freedom in that regard yeah 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 But how, what do you think gives you um, all this sort of organizational skill? Like, wh where did this come from? Um, this is it, unusual it levels of It came from an early age, probably teenager, uh -huh. on working on my arts, magic, juggling, the high wire, pickpocket, and many others, but those at the beginning, probably 16, 18, um, and trying to progress. So I give you a simple example. I lived in France for 45 years illegally in a broom closet. Yeah. Uh, it was too small to be called a studio. That's amazing. And I will uh, pay a miserable amount of money for the rent. And I 
I was there, there was a bed, there was a table, a window. I mean, it was, I put my arm like this, I will touch the wall. And I actually lived there for 45 years in and out, traveling around the world. The first thing I did when I came to that place and I was uh, 17, I was leaving my parents and being free, is to find in the garbage a big mirror. I put the mirror on the on the wall so I could see the magic. I could see the juggling. You know, this is how you you learn those arts with a mirror. Mm-hmm. And the mirror had a frame. So, for example, I was learning the six hoops, which is a lot of number of hoops to throw in the air and catch. You know, mm-hmm. and um, so I thought, okay, I started to organize myself. I would say, okay, let's try to do one one throw which is one two three four five six and you catch them which was a victory for me you know i had to learn three on the left three on the right and then try so the first day i managed to do one throw and catch them one two three four five six and then catch them i put a little circle of white on the frame those little uh circle of white that you put in a um in, in a page of paper that has holes when you put them in a binder so it doesn't break off. It's a little reinforcement. Oh, yeah, 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 so I buy sticker, like a yeah. thousand okay. of them. And then the <laughs> next day, I did two. <laughs> so two so I put two circles. And, and then v- very, not very soon, but maybe after a year, the entire frame was covered with little circles. I n- didn't need those little circles anymore. Now I was... so. This organization, as you call it, Uh was a way very early for me to monitor my progresses and to force myself to progress. Uh Yesterday I did two bounds. Today I have to do at least three bounds. Even if it takes me an hour, I'm not going to leave the rehearsal space until I do three bounds. So, and then you write it down if you do three and yesterday you did two, that's a victory. And so, and that's how this organization slowly, but it was slowly, was created by me it was not for the need to be organized it was to monitor my progresses right on okay i was just curious if like it maybe came from a per, like any kind of parental influence too. well like my father or... was a very organized person okay. but my father and i hardly talk in our life on only when he was 82 years old at a few months before he died we became best friend uh-huh. but my entire life i was not communicating with with my parents uh, much. Um, But he was a very organized person. So that's interesting. There is always something from the parents, even if you don't live with your parents, that influence you, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think maybe from your mom, the other chaotic part? No, no. My mom was even more... More, um, more um, uh, separated from my idea of life, okay. probably wrongly so, you know, but I felt uh, not really understood right. uh, by my parents and therefore my entire life was... Uh, was that uh, of somebody who has almost no parents. It's a bit sad to say, but... Yeah. So, no, I didn't uh, remember and felt... Um, uh, inspiring influences from my mother. Okay. Well, how did how did you become best friends with your father at the end? Uh, my girlfriend said, "Philip, this is ridiculous. This old man is gonna die without having had a son." Yeah. 
you should uh, invite him to one of your lectures. Uh -huh. And I was doing a very prestigious lecture in Zermatt, Switzerland. Mm -hmm. uh, we're talking about, you know, 30 years ago. Mm. And uh, she forced me to invite my father, who came and sit in the front row. Wow. And for the first time in his life, he saw films and he saw Q&A and he saw, you know, element of discourse and all that. And he, he met his son. And he had tears during the intermission. And after the intermission, I talked about um, inspiring influencers, even some that you don't recognize. And I say, well, there is an inspiring presence in this room, and I would like the Colonel Petit to stand up. And then people applauded, this is my father. And he had tears, I had tears, my girlfriend had tears. I'm about to have and tears. from that moment on, we became best friends for a couple of years until he, he left. That's you know? amazing. So, you see, it's a, again, this is breaking the rules, you know. Yeah. Nothing should be written in, in a solid uh, way. Um, Certainly not in human relations and in creativity True. and in spirit, you know. That's beautifully said. <laughs> yeah, that's really inspiring to me personally too. My my question to, to you though too is like when when you did um, when because you, you were just twenty five when you crossed the twin towers. Right? I was twenty four. Like, yeah, twenty four. Did did that not like affect? I mean, and you you achieved worldwide recognition. I, I had achieved worldwide recognition dozens of years before that. Oh, even in, before uh, that? No, not dozens of years. In 1971, mm. I oh, put yeah. a, w a wire illegally between the towers of Notre Dame Cathedral mm -hmm. in Paris. And I was virtually in the front page all over the world. Right. I actually remember, uh, you know, traveling around the world and saying, uh, can you show me uh, June 26th front page in Kenya? I, I am in a front page. In India, yeah. I'm in a front page. In China. So I started clipping because I love to, to archive. And right. I have an album of all over the world, probably not all the yeah. newspapers. So that was big fame at the time. The only yeah. country not interested was my own country. Isn't that funny? But it didn't bother me because I was uh, traveling uh, around the world. That's the way. And, there's uh, a... There's a cliche about that like everybody you, you're a prophet everywhere but in your in your old home yeah or whatever. yeah it's a little bit sad because it's a beautiful country where i would love to perform and i have done some performing but they they don't seem to recognize me from the very beginning interesting uh, which is basically notre dame in 71 yeah. but yes the 74 the world trade center was another worldwide recognition in between there was the sydney harbor bridge Right. Le illegally or legally? Uh, illegally in June 73. And that was again in the front page all over the world. So... Um, and that didn't affect your, like, didn't your parents take pride in that? Yeah, of course, of, of course, course. When yeah. they would go to a cocktail party with a glass of champagne and yeah. people would say, hey, I saw your son, he walked the Twin Towers. Yeah. They were not going to say which son. They would say, oh, yeah, he's, isn't that great? But still, this is not the recognition that inspired me. And, you know, I understand. I'm sure it's a... It's, you know, it's, uh, they, they could not uh, be blind to the apparent success of their son, which actually was not a success at all. After the World Trade Center, I continue to struggle, continue to have many projects going to the garbage, continue to juggle in the street and pass my hat to survive, Is that right? continue to try and try and try and try and but fight you, and fight. But you had opportunities to like, probably like you know shake the devil's hand so to speak well i had many opportunities after decide, the world trade center yeah. and i said no, no to all those 
immensely money rewarding opportunities because they did not correspond to what I wanted to do. For example, TV commercials. Right. You know, I I was not going to use my high wire and uh, saying if I walk on the wires because I am uh, (laughs) having a Rolex or I drink Heineken. (laughs) Although I I love uh, Heineken, by the way. But uh, and then I could have made like a half a million dollar in 42 seconds. You know, I would have facilitated more of your art. So yeah, and it would have rotten my soul. So I I cannot uh, with the life that I had fighting from five or six years old to uh, to impose my art. I was not going to uh, agree with uh, using my art uh, to make money, even though that money uh, could have helped in other things. I, I cannot think like that. I know we live in a country where this is inconceivable to not uh, say yes to this kind of offers. Right. But um, I have a different soul, you know. Well, it's not courageous. It's it's my blood in my veins, you know. Mm. And when somebody offers me something that makes no sense, and I say no, and they start making more offer in the money, then I start being angry yeah. and uh, and foul and throw them out of my life mm. because it's like trying to buy me and. Uh, it's ridiculous, but I cannot be bought. Because you got that rebellious spirit. That rebellious spirit has not taken a break yet. And and it cannot. With the yeah. life that I have lived, I cannot make a U-turn saying, no. okay, I accept your $2 million, and now I'm going to say <laughs> I walk on the wire because of that product. Although we don't do those stupid commercials anymore. Now commercials are very sophisticated mm-hmm. for the most part. Yeah. And it's a product that presents. Yeah. And if Coca-Cola presents Philippe Petit, I will say yes. You see? But if it is I drink Coca-Cola and that keeps me in balance, I will say no. Right. I feel you. (laughs) Stupid example, but... No, that's a good example. (laughs) Yeah. It's not the best thing to end with, but when Robert Zemeckis approached you, did they ask your permission to to do that Well, they had to, of course. And how did you take to that? Well, here is a very good example. When Robert Zemeckis called me, he called here, the house, and I was on the wire practicing. Mm. And my girlfriend picked up the phone. I didn't know who Robert Zemeckis was, but she knew, she knows everybody, and she, um, the conversation was very short. Hello, this is Robert Zemeckis. I would like to talk to Philippe Petit. Well, you can't. What do you mean I can't? He's on a high wire rehearsing. Call back in an hour. So he called back and he said, I would like to do a film about you. I said, I'm not interested. It was after Man on Wire. Mm-hmm. And um, it was also my rebellion was in a way to test him, you know. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> he had to prove himself. He had to invite me to his world in California and show me the different film he was making. And I fell in love with the process because it was like, like my life. They were making models for, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, certain films and they were doing, uh, uh, you know, s- uh, special effect and mask and all that. And it was fascinating. And I, I love some of his uh, attention to detail and all that. So, you know, and at some point I said, the only way I would say yes to this is to be working with you. He said, Philip, of course, I cannot do this film by myself. I need you to. And that was the beginning of a Hollywood lie, of course. You know, they all uh, welcome you and they say yes to everything. And at some point they say, hey, we cannot have two directors. And then they run away and then you are left on the side. uh, 
and then uh, uh, and the film took 10 years to do and wow. uh, it changed uh, it changed uh, you know spirit and all that but all that is is to say yes of course it was a, a movie adventure very different than uh, man on wire mm. did you watch and that movie beginning to end Oh, I, I watched it many times, yeah. But they were probably a bit afraid of me. They never invited me, which was very stupid on to their part, to, um, to participate in a promotion. And I participated in a promotion before we get the Oscar in uh, India, Australia, all Europe, all America with Man on Wire. Mm. I will go to 300 theater. It will be standing room only. I'll have a standing ovation. I'll do a Q&A. And because of that, we got the Oscar. I mean, yeah. I am sure. And, and because it's in a great the documentary. Walk, they were, I believe, I don't know, it's my view, but they were afraid of me participating um, in the movie that I have been a little bit, you know, why? Uh, put aside at some point after 10 years. So? Um, why is because my mind was so intense when I was working with Zemeckis that when they said, thank you, we don't need you much more, we'll invite you to yeah. the screening at the end. Um, they, they must felt if this guy tells a certain thing, it's not good. So I don't know. It's my vision. It might not have happened like well, that. But they did not invite me to any screening. When they went to France, they didn't invite me. They invited two of my uh, friends who helped putting the wire. When they went to Moscow, I speak Russian. They didn't invite me, you know. So... I thought this is ridiculous, and the film had the shortest run in the history of filmmaking. After two weeks, the it. film, yeah. the film, the walk uh, didn't yeah. didn't exist anymore, and Man on Wire uh, well, continues. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, is that actually. is not to say that the film is bad. Oh, of no, the I makers. loved it. I loved it. Many people love it. Uh, it I has great it, yeah. spirit, the but it's, are... it's not uh, it's not my film, and yeah. and I don't know why they did not invite me to well, follow I have it. A theory why. Because you have, you're not containable. You're not controllable. That is true. That's that is why. a compliment. This is this is well, the of course that's the conclusion. a compliment. Yeah, this that, is a, the that's conclusion. A good conclusion. Yeah. Because you know what? For somebody, and mostly it's an obvious. artist and a poet like yeah. you, a musician, a painter, a yeah. poet, to tell me you are uncontrollable. It's yeah. a supreme compliment. So I say thank you very much. Thank you, sir. <laughs> thank you, Petit. Appreciate you. Okay. Thank you very Great much. Great guys, that Thank was you. that was fun. Yeah, it was fun. Hi, this is Joseph Arthur. Thanks for checking out Come to Where I'm From. Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash come to where I'm from. We are an independent podcast and any contributions you can make are greatly appreciated. <laughs>